Welcome to Smiling in Hell 2.0. This is your host, Larry Peterson. I'm back for another chapter of this wonderful little, uh, let's call it the rabbit hole to my brain. And uh, today we're going to do chapter 41. I told you it wasn't going to be so long since the last one, and this time it isn't. Uh, but I did want to tell you that this is chapter 41. Oh, I think I just did that. Well, and the title of this one is, I Told You So. You know, as I've mentioned more than a few times in the in this space, I'm not a smart man, Annie. Uh, I mean, I'm not like Biden dumb or inept. I mean, I can walk up a flight of stairs uh, most of the time anyway. And I don't usually do shout outs to dead people, but sometimes I come up with ideas that are maybe a little less than practical or uh, efficient. Like my idea for a college spirit item that would appeal to the school alumni and student body. Uh, and since most u universities have a mascot of some kind, like, okay, UNC has the Ram, my alma mater. University of Georgia has the Bulldog. Or Notre Dame has a little guy that represents the Fighting Irish, looks a little bit like a leprechaun, you know, and so on. Anyway, you get it. Well, now remember when we were kids, there used to be these little souvenir glass bottles that, that had a penny in them. Uh, it looked a little like a clear glass version of the thin-necked jugs that were known for being a moonshine jug. Not that I know what a moonshine uh, is, but my idea was that, okay, instead of putting a penny in that little glass jug, you put a little piece of dung from the school's mascot, like, um, okay, a little clod of ram poop, maybe some bulldog dung, even a tidy, tiny fighting Irish patty. Uh, I assume it would be green. And you call it a jug of mascot dung. It, it come in the small keychain size, right up to the big dollar executive office size, suitable for your, your special space on your bookshelf. That would be pricey, though. I even had a slogan for it. Hug a jug of mascot dung. Pretty good, huh? It works especially good with the uh, uh, University of Georgia because the mascot's name is Ugga, so it would have been Hug a Jug of Ugga Dung. Um, but I'm just waiting now for my patent to be approved and to get the okay from the uh, NCAA uh, to use their licensing. So eventually I'll be rolling in uh, uh, dough. Oh, that's what it is, rolling in dough soon enough. But anyway, yesterday, uh, or a couple of days ago, an article sluiced across my phone, backed up by the fancily woke Washington Post, and the New York Times, uh, Wall Street Journal, and it finally admits that COVID was not a byproduct of some constipated bats, but was, in fact, actually caused by a lab leak in, oh, where was that? Oh, yeah, Wuhan! In fact, the article went something like this. It said, quote, FBI Director Christopher Wray said Wednesday that the agency believes the COVID-19 pandemic began due to a leak from a laboratory in Wuhan, China. In fact, the article referenced the screaming lib New York Times and Wall Street Journal uh, as resources that support this, this new take. It all sounded familiar to me, so I did a little dive and pulled up an article that I wrote some time ago that actually foreshadowed this, Ooh, this innovative school of thought. 
And the items that were included were, like I said, the quote, the FBI has for quite some time now assessed that the origins of the pandemic are most likely a potential lab incident in Wuhan, Ray said. And we step back for a second. The FBI has folks, agents, professionals, analysts, virologists, microbiologists, etc., etc., who focus specifically on the dangers of biological threats, which include things like novel viruses like COVID and the concerns that in the wrong hands, some bad guys, a hostile nation state, terrorist, a criminal, the threat that those could pose, Ray said. <clears throat> oh, and let's not ex- ignore this little tidbit. The uh, Department of Energy believes that a leak from a laboratory in Wuhan, China, was the most likely origin of the COVID-19 pandemic, according to a new report. I'm sorry, what? Okay, first seen here in this blogular arena way back in April of 2020, I presented a couple of articles called The COVID Conspiracy and This Too Shall Pass, where I portended several theories regarding the whole COVID, you know what kind of show, for which I was all but tarred and feathered by folks who thought I was the love child of Hitler and Judas. I mean, if men could actually have babies, which of course they can't. Now, since I am picturing you pouring through your hermetically protected Smiling in Hell archives and looking for those two classic episodes, I've decided to save you the trouble and share a few excerpts here that allow me to humbly say without regret, I told you. Now, if your memory is like mine, I mean, it's really good. It's just short. Here for your edification are the excerpts that were introduced here back in 2020. The excerpt one from Smiling in Hell 2.0, this was chapter two. Now keep in mind, today is chapter 41, okay? But chapter two, the COVID conspiracy first published back in April 2020. Now that the whole dang world's reeling in the clutches of this avant-garde designer disease commonly known as COVID-19, it's got me thinking of how this thing really got started. I mean, it's not like I don't have time now, right? So let's dissect, shall we? Picture the scene. A series of small but hidden labs are set up all over the world. Let's say just as an example, in Beijing. So there's a small medical facility there. Don't really need much. Maybe a nurse or two, a couple of guys with a modicum of medical know-how. Heck, they don't even have to be doctors as long as they know how to give a shot. You know, as Arya Stark would have said, stick them with the pointy end. Oh, and they'll have more than a couple of six-packs of a viral vaccine designed by Picasso and Van Gogh on hand. I mean, it doesn't even have to be a totally original bug, right? I mean, maybe just a clever combination of a bad flu meets malaria meets athlete's foot meets spoiled milk. Well, I mean, what do you want? I'm no epidemiologist. I don't even know how to spell that. Oh, wait, I just... Did. So anyway, so now that we've got this already established that there's a plenty of these uh, Stan guys, and Stan is short for seriously terrible, awful, no good nicks, willing to take one for the bad guy team by strapping a bunch of Semtech to themselves, pushing a button and setting off a 4th of July display on their chests. Or maybe driving a minivan down the Champs-Elysees and turning a sidewalk cafe into a drive through Can I get a croque madame to go, please? Or maybe even flying a couple of Boeings into the side of a great big old building, huh? Nah, nah, who would believe that? Anyway, you got to figure that there's plenty of these comrades, brother soldiers, 
Well, not soldiers, really, because they're actually, the soldiers are usually pretty brave. Well, the members of this club are, well, how do you say it? What's the word? Oh, yeah, cowards. Anyway, there are plenty of these folks who are willing to earn a cosmic lollipop by getting an injection of the super-duper infectious bug, even though they know there isn't a remedy sitting on the shelf of the local Walgreens. Yeah, this see, this, this here little disease ain't going to just give them a tummy ache. It's pretty much going to be a sure thing that this here is a one-way trip to Valhalla or where, wherever or for whoever lets it get poured into their bloodstream. So now, not unlike the walk back to the dorm from a night on the town, they get a couple of shots of this really catching and lethal bug. And they go sightseeing in a nice crowded area. Oh, and maybe someplace like Rome or New York or Fort Lauderdale or a, or a carnival cruise. And these subjects have a nice runny nose, they're sneezing and coughing, maybe don't even have a good aim in the men's room. No, they aren't washing their hands after they go either, especially not for 20 minutes, I mean 20 seconds. But they're spreading the germs like a sprinkler head on the ninth hole. They go about their merry way just hacking and spewing as they go on everybody and everything they can. So what happens? Well, you guessed it. The other people get sick. But see, unlike the suicide sneezers we've identified, our innocent bi-breathers really aren't ready to call it a day. And they get sick and they go see their friendly neighborhood GP who hasn't quite seen this version of the common cold. It's actually a very uncommon cold. So they sound an alarm. Now, let's just say that they, they happen to mention that there's a really bad virus thing out there and a whole bunch of people are going to die unless we do something. And suppose, just maybe, that there are a few doctors who are also on the bench of Team Stan. You remember now this fun little party has been going on for a while. By, by the way, I'm not casting any aspersions on the medical profession. In fact, some of my, my best friends are doctors. Even my doctor is a doctor. But couldn't it just be maybe that if enough salty docs or medical experts decided to say there's this virusular thing out there and if we don't do something really drastic like, oh, I don't know, um, close the world, that millions and millions of people are going to die. A reporter or two from a respected news outlet starts to share this. And then everybody starts to hear about all these people who are keeling over from a disease that was designed by Toyota or some beer company. Numbers then start getting thrown around. Big numbers, it seems. Now, how many people have already died from this virus? Well, I guess they did. Maybe they didn't. Who knows? I mean, a lot, lot of the time of them were a little older, you know, in their 80s and 90s or so. And not to be insensitive, but maybe it was just their time anyway. I mean, we lose some celebrities too. And the families are told it was this COVID thing. But enough people who might have passed away anyway, you know, people like who just got shot in the head, are counted as victims and, oh my God, now all of a sudden we have to shutter all of our businesses, put millions of people out of work, tell people they have to stay home, wear masks, or suffer total ostracization from everyone at the local Piggly Wiggly. They destroy our economy, create mass hysteria, dogs and cats living, oh, you know the rest. Because maybe, maybe everyone is going to die. And our elected officials who sort of have to believe what they're told because hey, these are medical experts and doctors telling them after all, follow the instructions of these advisors who may or may not be in on this little April Fool's joke. 
Now, can you imagine? Get enough people to tell the same story and everyone from here to BF Egypt are running for the hills for toilet paper and hand sanitizer. For all we know, we haven't lost any more people to this cause than the normal death rate would have been. Now, keep in mind, I, I look at most of everything I hear, especially these numbers, with the proverbial jaundiced eye. Hey, maybe it is jaundice. But do we really know? Do we really, <clears throat> do we really know what the actual possible impact of this would might be? And why would we trust it? I mean, it's not like there hasn't been uh, inaccurate information shared before, right? This is just on a much bigger scale. Now, I, I can't help but picture a bunch of these members of this stand group, remember the No Goodnicks, meeting at a local pub or a shawarma stand. And they're having an incredible laugh over a couple of pints. They closed all the businesses, they laugh. I know, and now they're saying it was started by some guy eating bats in China or what. They don't even know they have cures already on the shelf. But like you said, their system won't let them use them. This works better even than the airplanes. They drink, they laugh, and also a big, big thing. So anyway, that was the excerpt from excerpt one from the Smiling in Hell back in April of last of 2020. 2020. Now here's another one. This is from chapter three of uh, Smiling in Hell called This Too Shall Pass. Again, published in April 2020. And it goes like this. Just to share a few of these ideas that were sent my way, there was one that suggested the whole COVID conspiracy was a plot against the current administration to make the U.S. economy tumble and position themselves as the saviors of our sovereign nation come next election period. Uh, note to Bene, as a reminder, I am trying to avoid and refrain from this literary, literary hose, i.e. my blog, becoming a permanent type of a political platform. So keep in mind that the, the COVID conspiracy was designed as a possible work of fiction and any resemblance to persons, political parties, or birthday parties for that matter, animals, vegetables, or minerals, living or dead, is strictly coincidental. Well, unless it isn't. Then there's that suggested idea that it was, would, uh, that it be pointed out that while all supposed COVID hell was busting out in China, hmm, I wonder if that was in June. <gasps> Get it? COVID's buzzing out all over. The local opposing party was spending most of its time, energy, tax-supported dollars, attention, and media support in an effort to oust the currently elected head of government. By the time that pot of spaghetti was burnt, the branch Covidians, I love that branch Covidians, have another firm hold on our providers of the news and we're using them to sway the world with perhaps the greatest hoax ever perpetuated on mankind since the pet rock. And in three short months of reporting numbers, uh, they couldn't be confirmed, bring the world economy to its knees by doing things like showing footage of emergency bivouac hospitals in Italy and using the same camcorder outtakes and calling it New Jersey, which is a terrible thing to do to Italy. So that was excerpt two. That was from uh, chapter three of uh, Smiling in Hell, This Too Shall Pass. And then excerpt uh, three uh, from uh, chapter three is uh, also from uh, This Too Shall Pass, um, first published back in uh, April 2020. Then there was the suggestion from a pretty good friend of mine, uh, it was my wife, Sherry, 
that my fictional theory was actually somewhat substantiated in an interview she saw on YouTube by an incredibly well-credentialed doctor named Dr. Rashiv Batar, titled exclusive, Dr. Rashid Batar blasts Gates, vows he exposes fake pandemic numbers as economy collapses. You can watch it at, well, you could have watched it at uh, YouTube, but if you'd have found it before the following message was put in its place, quote, this video has been removed for violating YouTube's community guidelines. Uh, anyway, but that just adds even more credibility to the information, right? And lest our friends, the surgical mask, feel bad for being left out, Let's review the latest information about wearing masks from the Cochrane Review, which reports wearing masks in the community probably makes little or no difference to the outcome of laboratory-confirmed influenza SARS-CoV-2 compared to not wearing masks, unquote. And, and this from New York Times regarding the use of masks, which I avoided at every chance. Opinion, the mask mandates did nothing. Will any lessons be learned uh, in the New York Times? And there are links to these, all of these, uh, on my on the written part of this thing. So anyway, I, I hope you kind of enjoyed uh, walk down memory lane, but uh, it's a little more edifying than that. But before I sign off, though, I just have to say it one more time. I told you so. Oh, by the way, comments and questions are certainly welcome. Just don't be surprised if I don't take the time to respond. So I'll see you next time. And in the meantime. Don't believe everything you see or hear, uh, including that. This is Larry Peterson signing off from, what did that, oh, uh, Smiling in Hell. And uh, until the next time, have a lovely day. <laughs>